at on the way in, asking me, how, how am I doing? I said, I'm doing good. It's better to be seen than to be viewed, <laughs> right? Amen. So good to be here. So glad to, I'm always glad to hang out with full-blooded brother, Matt Nussbaum, and his beautiful wife, Kathy, just great people. We just thank God for them. Amen. And Aaron always sings the perfect song, throne, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is seeking sin. One of the things that excites me about that is the part that says, dressed in his righteousness alone. Because I realize that my righteousness is his filthy rags. The Bible says, our righteousness is filthy rags. And if there's any perfection in us, it's because of Christ. Amen. And so we thank the Lord today for his goodness and for his kindness. I'm not a stranger here, so y'all can loosen up a little. Amen. And I start not to wear a tie, you know, because I know the atmosphere is usually casual. But you know what? I've been teaching diversity at our church. And so I figured, let's be diverse, right? <laughs> I've just been trying to get the people of God to understand that uh, diversity is good. And when you deal with diversity, you're not just dealing with race and people with different colors and so on and so forth. That covers a whole gamut of things. And today I'd like to talk to you just for a few moments about the indescribable love of Christ. Christ's love is indescribable. This particular thought, I just want to gather one text here just in your hearing. I'll be reading from the King James Version. But it's First John, the first epistle of John, or the first letter of John, the general letter of John. And it's the first verse. It's the first epistle of John, the third chapter, and the first verse. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew not him. The second verse says, Behold, now we are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is." Here lately, and first of all, I want to say thank you so much. The last time I was here, I was so broken because I had just lost my nephew, who was like a son to me, who I raised. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget, I was here, I was just so broken, and I was able to come share with you guys, and you guys were my family, and you are my family, and you were able to listen to me. Today, I'm better, and I thank God for being better. Amen? I'm better. And thank you, Sadie, for leading the church in prayer when I was here last time. It helped. And so things are great, and God is good. Amen. And so today I'd like to look at this particular text. What manner of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called uh, the sons of God? God has been dealing with me lately for like the last couple of months, and I've been preaching about very hard topics. And the one word in particular that's a very hard word for me personally is the word, Love, L-O-V-E, because when we take a look at the word love, the word love really challenges us. It's a challenging word, but it's a word that everybody kind of throws around, so we're just, we throw the word around like it's just another word, and so on and so forth, and we throw around the word, I love you, and we tell people all the time, I love you. It's become a cliche of sorts, and oftentimes uh, when we tell people that we love them, uh, the word love really covers a whole gamut of things. The word love means that I'm going to love you even on your worst day. 
I'm going to love you because some days you're going to be unlovable. And the message that John is trying to bring about here, and of course, you know, John, he is the uh, beloved disciple. He's the son of Zebedee. And this is a particular, I know you're, we're all intelligent people, but I want to give you a definition of the word indescribable because today I want to talk about indescribable love. The word indescribable is unusual. It's extreme. It's indefinite to be adequately described. Impossible to describe. No words to explain. It's hard to find a definition. And the word indescribable is sublime. This particular book is written to the church at large. This particular book has no greeting, farewells, or other personal allusions. Hence, it belongs to what you call the general epistles. It calls believers by affectionate titles such as little children. I believe one of the reasons why John is referring, amen, to believers as we should come to Christ as little children. Because when you're a child, you're innocent. You're not tainted. You're young. There's little knocks back there. I'm always happy to see her because I'm always praying for her. She's so innocent. She depends on her parents for everything. She's vulnerable. She's easily molded. She's trusting. And she's loving because she hasn't lived long enough to know that sometimes this world can be a scary place and everything in the world is just not good. But when Christ looks at us, he looks at us, he tells us to come to him before him as little children. In other words, what he's saying is, I want you to come to me and I want you to love me. I don't want you to come with all of your tainted ideas and all of your many years of experience and all the hurts and all the pains and so on and so forth. I want you to trust me as if you were a child. I want you to trust me just that much. several things that we find here in this particular book. The writer John deals with fellowship. He deals with knowing and he deals with the love. He understands and realizes that fellowship, the coming together, us coming together on Sunday mornings, you know, when a lot of people are watching online and a lot of people have migrated to online church and a lot of people don't feel a need to come to church anymore. And, you know, then all churches are being affected by this, no matter how big or small your church is, people are not coming back to church. But John deals with one of the key things he deals with is fellowship. Fellowship is important. The coming together on a Sunday morning is important. Why? Because we come together, we get to drink coffee and eat donuts. That's a good part. We get to see one another because I haven't seen you since maybe last Sunday. You know, and between Sundays, sometimes we go through things, and we just need somebody just to smile at us and be able to tell us it's going to be all right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So the coming together, he deals with fellowship and going house to house and coming together as like-minded believers, coming together as a community. And people in communities have things that are in common. We might have different socioeconomic statuses. We may be different races. We may live on different parts of town. We may have different life experiences. We may come from different neighborhoods. We may come from different towns, different cities. But all of us have something in common is that we love Jesus Christ, and we come here today to celebrate his goodness. 
the word know, K-N-O-W, means that there are some things in life that we must know for sure. There's a song that says, I don't know about tomorrow or what may come my way, but there's one thing that I know for sure is who holds tomorrow. And as long as I know who holds tomorrow, I know that my life is secure and my life is safe regardless of the things that I go through. This third word, love, L-O-V-E, is a word that I must be honest. Being a divorced man, I have an issue with that word because what I saw my parents do, they were married for 48 years until they were married to my mom died. And I saw them have ups and downs in marriages as marriages have ups and downs. There are married people in this room here today that maybe you got, you had an argument, made your argument before you came here and you just came here smiling because you had to, you know, same face. <laughs> That's all right. If we can't be real here, where can we be real? So this word love, because the word love, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin or a multitude of faults. Love has no boundaries. That's the reason why when someone goes through a divorce, it's like death. Because this love, this covenant relationship that you had, because you got to realize and understand that marriage, we, the people of God, Christ likens us as his bride. So there's this connection. There's this spiritual connection between someone when they're in a covenant, when you become one with someone. We become, being careful my words here, when you become one with someone. You become, you come one with that person and bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says that the husband is to love the wife the way Christ loved the church. The wife is to submit to the husband and they're submit to one another. And they got this beautiful thing going on. But when covenant is broken, it's like death. Christ said, I want you to have a righteous love. I want you to have a brotherly love. And all of us have these, we have our friend groups. And, you know, I think about it in my church, as small as it is, we still have cliques throughout the church. I'm like, Lord, Jesus, ain't that many people here. And everybody has their preferences, but Christ is trying, John is trying to bring to us and trying to under, he's trying to get us to understand that the work that Christ did on Calvary was not based upon how good we are. He, God so loved the world 
And God so loved the world, the world meaning us. He loved us so much that he says, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh, amen, and I'm going to go to a rugged and a cruel cross. I'm going to allow these people to beat me down and spit upon me and put thorns in my, on my, in my head, a, thorn, a, crown, a crown of thorns, amen, and thorns in my hands and thorns in my feet. I'm going to allow them to ridicule me. I'm going to allow them to talk about me. I'm going to allow them to dog me out and to say all kind of horrible things about me. He says, I'm not going to even defend myself. He said, because I understand and realize the mission is, is that I love these people so much. And I understand that if I don't go to this cross and die and shed perfect blood, mankind is going to be doomed. So somebody has to be the perfect sacrifice. Somebody has to be the bigger person. Somebody has to look beyond their particular situation, and somebody has to be able to say, my level of love for these people, amen, that you, God, you have called me to love, has to look beyond faults and see needs. My dad and mom, grandmother, who's 102, still living, grew up in times of segregation. You can hear so many different stories that I've been told over the years about how you couldn't go certain places. And if you went certain places, you had to go certain nights because they had certain nights for black folks and certain nights for white folks. There was a spirit of elitism, a spirit of Hey, you know what I mean? I, you're different than I am. Here we go. This is what I want to get to. You're different than I am. And that different, and when we deal with diversity, can be a whole gamut of things. Just because I'm the same color as you, that doesn't mean that we have the same experiences. Right? We all have different experiences. And even though we have different experiences... At the same time, we're all a lot alike. Figure that one out. When Matt and I go to dinner sometimes, you know, he and I have passion for God. We have passion for the word of God. We have passion for the church, the local church. We are so passionate about the things of God. And when all this COVID stuff was going on, it's like, you know, he and I thought exactly like, I thought it was just me. But Matt and I would get together and he would say things out of his brain. I'd be like, well, that's exactly what I'm thinking. The church has become a place where only certain people are welcome and some people aren't. It's a time that we get together sometimes in our own little corners. We get together with our cliques and with our groups. We've got to be careful that church does not become a country club or that church does not become a place where we continue to perpetuate anything other than the love of Christ. When he deals with, now we are the sons of God, he deals with the begotten. And all throughout text, you'll see where the Jews had an issue with the Gentiles. The Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles. They had this whole issue 
with who's better than that person, who's better than that person, who's this, who's that. And a lot of times, you know, we put on the outside of our churches, this is something I've been talking to my church about, all are welcome. But if somebody came in here who was a lot different than we are, and different can be a whole bunch of stuff, you know, I look at this beautiful young lady right here. The, society, the, the day that she's coming up in, the society that she's coming up in is open and totally open to so many other things. And they're experiencing so many different things than me. I'm going to be 57 in August. I didn't have to deal with unisex bathrooms. And, you know, you could only go, you know, you can't label bathrooms, men and women, gender, and, you know, all of this different sexualities and and people don't refer to gender anymore. All this whole gamut of new things that her generation is dealing with that our generation doesn't deal with. But when you love the way Christ loved, it doesn't matter what your gender is, what you identify as, where you come from, who you are, uh, whatever your situation is, what your experiences are. Love says, amen, that I'm going to embrace you now, I might not embrace your ideas, and I may not embrace the way you live, and I may not embrace your lifestyle. And if you're walking in sin, I'm not going to embrace your sin, but Christ died for the sinner. So, therefore, as a responsibility of the Christian, it's our responsibility to love people regardless of who they are, what they are, and where they come from. I hope this is making sense. We've gotten into this idea that only Christ only went to the cross for my little group. He only went to the cross for, and you know, I come, I'm, I'm, I'm apostolic Pentecostal. I come from the Pentecostal church, and we could be very self-righteous. At least when I was coming up as a kid, we were very, you know, the church taught us how to be very self-righteous. And, oh, if you didn't dress like that, and if you didn't look like that, and if you, if you had hair on your face, you couldn't do that. And, and, you know, you had all these rules, and you know what I mean? And women had to wear skirts to the ankle, and you couldn't wear earrings, and you, you couldn't cut your hair. You, you couldn't do that. And I'm not debating that, and I don't have time to go back and forth on that. But what I want to say is a lot of times you had people who were dressing the part, but were not living the part of love. Some of the hateful and the most mean people I've ever met, I've met in church. Christ came, and John is trying to get them to understand that Christ is not caught up in all the stuff that we're caught up in. (laughs) Thank you. He's not caught up in all this stuff. He's not caught up in how well you know the law because the Jews want to tout how well they know the law. And one of the things I tell the church all the time, we got so many people toting and quoting, that mean toting Bibles and quoting by scriptures. But then the message of love is not being displayed. So what has happened is we have become religious and we have not become spiritual. Does this make sense? And I'm like, Lord, in the days that we are living in, how can you bring us out of these little different corners and these different little boxes that we're in and all of these prejudices that we have? You know what I mean? We don't like that person. We don't like this person. But you better be careful what you don't like because it just may pop up in your family. (laughs) 
I was, uh, I did the last three weeks, we have, we call them empowerment classes at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, Sunday school, but we call them empowerment classes. And that's from 9 to 9.50. So the last three weeks, we had a three-week gap because we started a series uh, today on doctrine. And um, Kathy, I had uh, panels. The first week I had, um, I moderated a panel of men from the 20s. I had a gentleman from the 20s, a gentleman from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Because the way the 20-year-olds view God and how 60-year-olds view God, I think you're in that group. Amen. <laughs> how the 60s view God is totally different. We got a young guy who comes to church and paints his fingernails black. That would have never happened when I was coming up in church. His hair was a different color last week. Today he came in, it was like as blonde as blonde could get. But he loves God. But the way I was brought up, shoot, suit, shirt, and tie, you know, you couldn't wear red and all this, you know, some, all these different things. And so I loved God when I was brought up in church. But the way I was brought up was different than what he is experiencing. So then the second week we had the ladies and we did the same age groups. And I had uh, one of the ministers, female ministers, uh, she uh, moderated that one. And then the third week, which was last Sunday, I had just a mixture. How do men view women? How do women view men? How do our relationships line up with what the Bible says? Because what happens is we, we get all these religions and we're building stuff up on a whole bunch of passed down. I, I was going to say something. I'm going to say it because I'm going to be myself. Passed down mess. You know, we don't know why we believe it. It was just passed down to us. And we don't even know if it's right or wrong. Is it even biblical? But anyway, the point I wanted to make was uh, when I was doing the different age groups, I wanted to see, because what happens is if you don't love, one of the disciples asked Jesus, said, what's the greatest of the commandments? All these commandments, maybe 600 or something commandments. What's the greatest one? You know, let's just narrow this down. They were probably being simple-minded like me. I want to be like, you know, what's the top three? Let's master that. He said, love God. And then he said, love your what? As your what? Love your who? As your? And so my neighbors, whoever I come in contact with, so on and so forth, whoever. So I got, so loving y'all is pretty important. (laughs) But anyway, the point I want to make, because I got to wind this up here pretty soon. Um. One of the ladies, young ladies on the board, 21-year-old young lady. Now, I'm probably going to challenge some of y'all right now, but don't, you know, just, I'm okay. Just be all right with me, okay? I'm always going to stay according to the word, all right? But I'm going to challenge you. One of the young ladies on the board is 21 years old, and she grew up in this church. And, uh... She, uh, you know, we're going around as the moderator. I was giving people a chance to talk. And she said, and I had a, I had a diverse board on purpose. And the three weeks that we had the panel discussions, I didn't use none, any of the same people. Because diversity, people bring something to the table. 
that maybe we didn't think about before, or it causes us to stretch our brains and think outside of our boxes. She said, well, she said, well, as a masculine presenting female, and I'm not sure exactly what that meant because I'm old. I'm 56. You got to realize where I came from, you know, I never saw my mother ever wear a pair of pants. I don't think women start wearing pants to the 50s or 60s or so, right? Because you had all these little boxes, what was described as a woman, what, 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 what dictated being a man, so on and so forth. And all of these ideas that are not biblical, but we carried them uh, generation after generation. I'm talking about indescribable love still. And she said, and I said, whoa, I said, so since you mentioned that, you know, we're, we're streaming live on the air. And I'm like, oh, because I ain't scared of no topic. I'll talk about anything. And I said, what exactly does that mean? Because it was an honest answer. Because I really didn't know exactly what it meant. And she began to, she said, well, she said, uh, I feel more comfortable wearing khakis and a button down and gym shoes. You know, she's a basketball player, and that's how she prefers to present herself. Well, I did this little illustration. I called her twin sister up. She has a twin sister, and her twin sister had on a dress. And so she looked, quote, unquote, what people would call feminine. And this masculine presenting sister, which is her twin, didn't look like her. They're fraternal. They don't look alike at all. And plus the way they presented themselves didn't look alike. But the 20-year-old who presented herself in the pants and the button-down, where she feels more comfortable that way, she stopped coming to church for a period of time because she felt like the church didn't receive her. And they didn't. Let me say weak. I'm part of the church. People don't. But does God love her less than what he loves, than he loves her twin sister? See, these are the type of things that your love is going to be challenged. Nobody has to agree with anybody's lifestyle. Christ didn't say, because some of this stuff we don't, some things in this world, some things that are not of God, we shouldn't understand it because we understood it. That means maybe we're in the same situation. But this young lady has strayed away from church for a number of years, and I had to bring her back. I went and saw her out and brought her back to church. Because I'm saying if we're going to be Christians, we have to get back to what the Bible says and quit teaching all this other stuff. It's kind of quiet. I know I'm I'm probably rocking some boats here right now for a moment. The love that John was talking about, he says, what manner of love is this? That the Father has given us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God.
Birds of a feather flock together. And the church has a responsibility, in my opinion. This is what's going to happen at Lighthouse. I didn't mean to come to be controversial. But this is what God has been dealing with me about. Love knows no limits. All right? And if we don't get this love thing down packed, how can you say you love God who you've never seen? But you don't like me because I'm black. How can you say you love God? Does God love only cover straight people? When Christ went to the cross, did he only die for rich people? The church, I'm three minutes over. The church is going to have to answer some questions. <laughs> and I think what the issue is, is that we're responsible for teaching the word of God. And everybody has to line up with this as much as possible. But you know what? If any of us make it to heaven, which I plan on going, what about you? And if we make it to heaven, and even the best person in this room, you're going to make it because of the grace and the love of God. Amen. Let me say that before I leave. I hate leaving. One of these days, I'm just going to stay and say, let them do over there. <laughs> Let's show compassion. I'm not saying let's give allowances for sin. Don't get that twisted. God has a standard. Amen. I say God has a standard. But our assignment is to love. Christ had an indescribable love for us. It was something that we couldn't put our finger on. We can't describe. We can't fathom it. But he says, you know what? In the scripture, let the wheat and the tear, let the good and the bad, let it come together. Let's come to church. If they're coming to church, that means they want something. And when they come, whoever they are, I don't know. I'm not talking about one group of people. I'm talking about who, whatever. When they come, are they going to be met with the love of Christ? Or are we going to be arrogant? Like I said, I'm Pentecostal. I, I was raised self-righteous. So you can't tell me anything about that. I know all about it. All right. But you know what? I sure got off that self-righteous band when, uh, when uh, I, crazy stuff started happening to me. <laughs> when life kicks in, baby, you ain't got time for that stuff. I'm a, I'm a reproach to the church. I'm divorced. God forbid. That's unheard of. But does Christ love me any less? 
I want you for one second, real quick, we got to do this real fast because I got to go. I want you to think about one thing in your life that you think you can do better in, something in your life that regardless of how hard you try, amen, it seems like it's, it's a stronghold, it's a problem, it's an issue, and you need the Lord's help. I want you to think about one thing in your mind. We're not going to ask you to say it. I just want you to think about it in your brains. This is you and God. It ain't got nothing to do with us. You got it? Is it, is it there? It didn't take no long time to think about it, did it? Now, I want you to think about the grace that God has given you, even in the midst of your weakness and your shortcoming. And I want you to extend that same grace to whoever you come in contact with. And let's start loving the way Christ has loved us. God bless you. So, God, I uh, thank you that you, thank you that you challenge us through uh, Derek's words to love the unlovely or love people that we think are less than us, not as good as us, or whatever reason. So, I pray that you would bless Derek. I pray that even even today, as he drives from here to Winslow Road, where his church is, I pray that he would uh, experience even a greater sense of your love for him. And I pray that uh, this week you would bless him with uh, a greater sense of how much you love him. I pray that that would then uh, explode all over the people in his church. And I pray that their church, as well as our church, as well as every church in Bloomington, would be attractive to others because we love. Uh, not because we're, like Derek said, not because we're self-righteous, not because of how we vote, but because we love. So I pray that Derek would, God, I pray that you would overwhelm him with your indescribable love for him this week. And I ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.